Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, Conscience That Made Us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. This is Bradley from the Corrupted Hearts, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Stop. 
Bradley. You're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music for the next bit. So you recently released We Dug a Ditch and Lay Down. What can you tell us about it? Um, so that's the first song off of our new album that comes out in December. Um, we have two more singles that were released in, in um, October and November leading up to the release. Um, we Dug a Ditch, wrote it about a year ago. Um, actually, I was on TikTok just messing around and then like had this riff idea and i was like oh that sounds that sounds pretty cool and i actually have it on video of me like coming up with the song essentially so i, I kind of like that um but yeah it's uh it's kind of a dark song it's definitely 90s inspired um a little bit of smashing pumpkins in there for sure um uh, uh we're, we're happy with it um we had uh we linked up with a uh engineer named Corey bergeron in toronto um who just totally brought us to a new level like we you know we were we self-recorded we recorded all of our own stuff um but um just it's hard to mix your own stuff you know it never sounds exactly right because your ear is just not you know <laughs> it's a little biased or whatever but um no like Corey's amazing we finally found a great engineer um to work with and he's doing our whole album so i'm really excited so i think he totally crushed uh we dug a ditch so Right, right. There is a story I've heard now about uh, you lay down in an actual ditch and that's where the inspiration comes from. Yeah, so um, I was a, I'm a master plumber, like, um, so I did a lot of ditch digging and stuff. Um, and uh, there was one time where we had a really deep ditch, it was like 14 feet deep. And um, I, uh, I just always wondered like what it would be like to like lay down there. You're down in there. It's when you're down and working in the hole, it's like really kind of creepy and quiet and, and weird. But I would, you know, I just want, I really wanted to lay down there. I just, something like possessed me. I was like, I gotta go lay, lay in this thing. And it's so weird to be that deep in the earth and then look up and you see the sky, but you can't really hear anything. It's very quiet. And it just kind of, it's extremely peaceful and, and like serene to, to just sit there and realize you are just, dirt you know like you're there's there's nothing special it's like it's uh you know it's kind of calm and uh i thought it was peaceful but um i thought it was a unique experience because a lot of people don't lay in ditches or even dig ditches you know so it's it's a, a rare thing that a lot of people haven't experienced um to be underground like that um so i wrote about it and um you know that's that's why we got the song right right i uh if I ever come across a big hole now, I'll have to give it a go and see if it's <laughs> as, as peaceful it's as you say. Yeah. I don't, I don't condone that unless it's there. You have shoring and it's actually safe to do that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you guys have a pretty, pretty interesting story about how you came together. It started like nine years ago. You started putting an album together, and you're finishing it. You finished it in 2022. Am I right? Yeah, so I it was 2011. I had an entire. I had just released an album a year before that, and I was coming up with another. I had basically an entire album written, um, and I just kind of stopped. And I, you know, I had a a little baby, or you know, a two year old and a three year old. You know, I had little babies, and they needed me, and they needed. You know, I had to focus on my career and focus on my family, and like music had become just a big distraction for me. You know, from you know all the people that were depending on me. So I literally just hung it up for a decade. Um, and just stopped like halfway through the album. And then oddly enough, uh, last year I sold my company. I had a plumbing company and uh, we had somebody come through and buy it. Um, and I found myself without a job and anything to do. And now my kids are teenagers 
and they don't want to hang out with me as much as they used to. And, um, you know, my wife's busy. So like, I just had a lot of time on my hands and I just started playing again. So I got the old album out and started working through all this old stuff. And it's amazing how much technology changed too in a decade. Cause it was, it was massively evolving, you know, in the two thousands when I was really into it. And then, uh, now it's just leaps and bounds ahead, you know, um, what you can do. So, um, yeah, it, it's just kind of been like a, like a rebirthing for me for, uh, you know, getting back into music and, um, rediscovering my passions and things like that. So. And how does it compare, you know, approaching the music, you know, you're a decade older, you've had more life experiences, you know, you're trying to work on songs that you started when you were 10 years younger. What's that kind of like? So, um, you know, I used to be called Inverso. That was my, my, uh, you know, artist name or whatever, but I, I, I'm like, I'm not Inverso anymore. Like I'm not the person that wrote this album, you know? So, um, you know, I had a lot of new songs come up, you know, uh, about that time. And, uh, you know, so I was writing new stuff and then I pulled some of the old stuff, um, and put out an album, um, last October. Um, so it's kind of a compilation of the past and the, and the present, you know, but, uh, yeah, um, way more to write about now, you know, going through your thirties and, and, um, having, you know, a family and, uh, a career and all that stuff. Yeah. There's plenty to, there's plenty to write about, you know, uh, but I, I definitely see, uh, music differently than I used to when I was a little, you know, younger, you know, um, I don't really see it as a career. Like I have to make money doing it and stuff, you know, for me, it's really just a passion thing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that you have to make a career out of it to enjoy it. Everybody can do this, you know, and everybody can, can have fun with it. Um, so it doesn't have, you don't have to monetize it necessarily, you know, if that, that doesn't seem to work for us. So, um, you know, and we're not, we love playing cover songs and stuff like that, but I don't want to go out and just be a cover band and play, you know, and try to make $200 and, you know, I just, I don't care. Like, I just want to make good art. I want to make, you know, um, I want to make songs. I'm a songwriter first for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there a few minutes ago how much the industry had, had changed. What was that kind of like, you know, cause now it's more so focused on releasing singles instead of albums and stuff like that. I, th- I think that's kind of nice, actually. I-, I like just releasing one song at a time, and um, I'm a very one-track-minded person anyway, so that sounds good to me, you know. Um, now, we are releasing an album in December, but it's just because we have so much material. Like, we've got to get these songs out there, or they'll never... We have, we have way, way more in the pipeline. So I'm like, you know, we just put out an album last year. We already have another one this year. We're just going to release singles all year next year, but I've got so much stuff recorded, and um, and we've got some cool covers and stuff that we've done, and, um, so for Halloween this year, um, we are playing a cover show as the Deftones. Um, so, um, however, we are dress- we're all dressing up as Elvis, but right. we're going to be- we're going to play Deftones songs. Interesting, <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be a good night. So, um, we did it last year too. Um, we were all like Batman villains. So I was the Joker, and like our drummer was Two Face, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Sounds, uh, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good time. Um, I love I, I love uh, playing covers on Halloween. It's a, a great time to do it, you know. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, when it comes to making new music, is there a part you look forward to most? Uh, when it's done, yeah, for sure. I mean, like the you know, uh, writing the riffs and and drumming and coming up with beats is all the fun stuff. And then when it comes down to getting the lyrics down, that's when it's like, okay, this this feels like a job now because it. It's so much harder to 
to write lyrics than it is to do anything else for me. Um, so uh, I just try to listen instead of uh, me telling the song what it's going to be. I just listen over and over again and take my time with it and just try to you know, like uh, pull it out of the sky, you know, like whatever this song is supposed to be. And sometime like usually like halfway through writing the lyrics, I'm like, oh, this is what this is about. Like, I don't sit out with like, this is what I'm going to write about this subject. It's like the subject kind of comes to you and then you just like finish the thought pretty much for me. That's how it's worked for me. I like it. I like it. And you know, is there any specific themes or messages that you try to convey through your music nowadays? Um, uh, I've always been really into aliens, like really into aliens and UFO, uh, ufology. So like I've, I've always written about aliens and experiences with like, uh, you know, uh, making contact and things like that. It's just always intrigued me. Uh, you know, um, my last album or last couple albums were about those too. Um, I don't really write a lot of love songs. Um, I did write one song about my life, uh, on the last, uh, record. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, we have a song called be kind rewind. Uh, and it's kind of funny because, uh, Adam, our guitar player wrote like the, he just wrote like a, like a riff for it. And he titled it Be Kind Rewind because that's what he was looking at. And he, you know, you have to put a title on something before you, you know, send a file. So I just, every time he sends me a little idea, I always end up sticking, I just stick with that title and I write using that title as inspiration. So we have this song called Be Kind Rewind. It's really cool. And it's, uh, it's just about nostalgia. It's about, you know, um, like longing for the past and, you know, remembering the nineties and how much better everything seemed simpler life seemed, you know, than it is now. So, you know, there's that kind of feeling. Um, so I thought, you know, it's, it's weird how those things kind of, how to kind of evolve, but. Yeah. Yeah. I have to mention now, not to get into conspiracies or go totally <laughs> into the aliens, but you must have been pretty excited then about the disclosure that happened. And I, I suppose that live. must have. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing live. Yeah. It was great. Um, I thought it was a big step forward. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, I, I've always thought that aliens were already here and they're just covering it up, but you know, it's like until you give people definitive proof, you know, and an alien actually walks out with the president, you're not really, you know, going to get people on board. So, yeah, yeah. I have to say I was a little surprised how nobody seemed to react, like, especially over here in Europe, like it wasn't even on the news. Well, I think people are desensitized to anything now, you know, like, you know, we have school shootings here like crazy and it's, it's, uh, you just get tired of hearing the same thing over again. It's like, it's hard to care about it when it happens every week, you know, or, you know, as often as it does, it's, um, yeah. And you don't want to be like that. You know, you want to be sensitive to those things, but you just get numb from hearing these things. I feel like a lot of people are like that, you know, the, you know, the average attention spans like three seconds now. You know, you're flipping through TikTok and uh, if you can't get someone's attention in three seconds, it's over, you know, like, um, I don't know, it's, we've been conditioned to be that way. So uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not that surprised that people are like, hmm, cool, aliens, and then scroll, what's next? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I suppose at this stage, then we'll dive into your uh, your past when it comes to music to see where you came from. Now, it's a bit of a, a tough question, but can you remember your earliest musical memory? Well, I uh, 
I don't know about musical memory. Um, I've got some probably really embarrassing ones from the eighties, um, of, you know, dancing to vanilla ice and stuff. But, um, as far as like uh first time playing, um, uh, it was my 14th birthday. Um, and a couple of my friends brought over like, like one guy brought a bass and an amp and one guy bought, brought over like, um, uh, like a kick, a snare and a hi-hat. And I'd never even like seen anybody like play, you know, they were playing in my living room and it was good. They were playing Green Day songs and stuff like that. And I was like, give me that bass. Like I want, I have to know what, how you're doing this. And like, I was instantly hooked. So like, I mean, the next day I had like my dad's right-handed crappy guitar that he's put in a closet and never touched for like 30 years. I, I had that out trying to sit there, watch MTV and trying to learn how to play Green Day songs uh, upside down. I'm left-handed. So I had to like, I actually learned how to play a right-handed guitar. So I, I learned upside down first. Oh man. And then, and then like a year later, I got a, I saved up and got an electric guitar and, and I got it all left-handed. So then I had to learn left-handed Then I like flipped so it's weird even to this day, like I pick up someone's right-handed guitar and I can still play it. Like I can still play all the chords and like, it's still, it's weird. It's like, uh, it's like reading upside down, but it just, it just works. And I don't really think about it. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. That is strange. All right. A lot of people find it hard enough to play the right way around, let alone backwards. I think, I think it helped me in some ways. And like, I'm a, I'm a lefty drummer and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should learn how to play right. Cause every time I go to a club and they're like, Hey, can you jump up? It's always a right-handed kit, and I'm like, well, if you can move the tom over there and the snare over there, and like, I'll play. But um, I can't. Like, it's now I'm trying to go backwards. It's so hard. If it just feels like I've never played in my life, you know, when you try to play right-handed. So I don't know. It might be too late for me on that one, but yeah. And you know, we have to mention concerts. So, as a concert goer, what concerts would you say have made you? Oh, have made me, um, man. Um, I saw Silverchair at the Newport in Columbus when I was in high school. I loved that. I, you know, I was, uh, it was right after the 2000, uh, you know, the year 2000, Anthem for the year 2000 came out and um, the Neon Ballroom album. So I, that was a huge experience for me. Um, I saw Scott Weiland on his solo tour there um, after, you know, after the Stone Temple Pilots had broken up and it was just him and, and they had these, this weird album called 12 Bar Blues out. And I still love that album to death. I, um, but it and it's not good, you know what I mean. But it's good to me because it, it's just you know it's good memories and you know, I love those songs. It didn't matter how bad they were, I, I loved them anyway. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. <laughs> and you know, like when with a concert, then what needs to happen for you to walk away thinking I'm going to remember that for a very long time? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I you know. I guess it could be anything. Um, the, the most recent concert I went to was Paramore with my daughter. And I'll never forget that because that was a huge deal to her. Like, you know, um, I, I like Paramore, but I wasn't like a huge fan, but it didn't matter because it was like a memory that we'll never forget, you know, like going to that together, just the two of us. And um, so I don't know, in that way, I would never forget that experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing about this now. Your own shows. For anyone that hasn't caught one of your shows, what are they like? Lay it all out first. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I'd say uh, not not stellar yet. You know, um, I think we're we're getting pretty good, but um, I don't know. I still think we're growing as, as a lot. You know, live musicians. 
um, our drummer has probably the most live experience out of all of us. So he's kind of like guiding that experience for us. But I was always a studio guy. I was, I'm way more into recording. Um, and, you know, going to a show now and we're all in our forties is a lot harder because the next day I'm like, I need a recovery day. Um, you know, um, it's like football. Like if you, you know, if you play football, like you can be in really, really great shape, but until you play football, you're not in football shape, mm. you know? It's like going on tour or like playing a show, like you got to be in like show shape, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, to like bounce back and be able to do it over and over again. So, um, you know, going out and playing live is kind of hard for all of us. Like it's, that's why we only play like twice, a, twice a month, you know, um, it's usually on the weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just hard to get out. So we've been looking at doing live streams. I started, uh, live streaming on TikTok, live performances. And right now I'm in the process of building a studio and live room in my backyard. So we have this like giant pole barn that we're, you know, converting to a studio and it's going, we're going to do a lot more live streaming because I feel like we can reach a lot of people online with YouTube, um, and, uh, and TikTok and some of these. So um, we're really putting a lot of focus in that. Plus, everything's already set up. You know, we go back out there. We can play any time of day um, or night, you know, and uh, and not bother anybody. But we don't have to tear down and tear all the drums down and all the mics and then, like, pack everything up and go home and go to a, a bar. Um, I don't even really like being in bars, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not really a drinker and, like, I don't really like being out late. Um, so like, we're, we're kind of like really looking at this as like a, a main way for us to get new fans and, and do this. Um, so we're going to start streaming regularly once we get the building finished. Um, it'll be like a weekly thing where we, you know, stream for a couple hours and interact with fans directly online. And I think it's a good, a good platform for us. Yeah. Jeez. That's actually really thinking outside the box. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I was a business owner, right? I've got to like think outside the box, you know? Um, <laughs> True. Same thing with like, you know, when I got my bandmates, uh, you know, I, I was, I did all the recruiting for our company. So I've like hired and fired like thousands of people. So like, I really know what to look for in the right qualities for the right people to make, make something work. So, uh, you know, I, I hand selected our, my players, you know, um, and these are all amazing people. Um, they're very organized and like put together. They don't have any drama, you know, they're pro players they that we write well together we hang out well together so like we have the perfect group of guys right now um but i feel like uh, i gotta pat myself on the back right there because it really comes down to recruiting skills you know <laughs> like um and we went through uh like 10 auditions for drummers and i was very picky i'm very i'm a drummer too so i was very picky about drummers like it has to be someone who can bring us to life on stage you know um, and we got that. We got um, Tom Chakra. He's unreal. So it just makes everybody better, right? You're only as good as your drummer, right? That's what they say. Yeah. True. And funny enough, drummers always seem to be the hardest people to find. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But um, I we definitely got him. Um, and he's he's awesome. Uh, and just just amazing people. Like they would do anything for you, you know. And they're very reliable. Um, and that you know that matters a lot. You know, back to your shows then, and even the live streams, I suppose. How do you work on them? Do you, when you're rehearsing, do you approach it like you're fully live? Do you put the same energy in? I Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, we still have people over and stuff when we're going to do these live streams. We're still going to invite people over and have, it's almost like a little private party, you know? Mm. Um, 
uh, but it's cheaper, right? You know, <laughs> um, so um, you know we'll still have good energy, and we're we're gonna have a professional stage with professional lighting and um, and sound and everything like that. So it's you know we're going all out on it. We'll have multiple camera angles. We're going big um, with the live streams, but. Um, yeah, like um, I'm always frustrated when I go out and play live because, like, in, unless you have your own engineer, you know, um, it's hard to get that your sound locked in exactly at every venue. And like a lot of engine, like you know, a lot of house engineers don't care. You know, they don't really care if you can hear yourself or not. And um, you know, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. In, it's fun to play larger shows. It's not so fun to do the bar scene for me. Um, the the little shows. Um, because, you know, I'm just too old for that, you know, I think, but. Uh, you're you know. never too old, Reed. <laughs> uh, not not too old to do it, but it definitely, you know, feels different yeah. being 41 than it did when I was 20, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you, I get you. And, you know, is there a, a performance from your past that maybe sticks in your mind as the most memorable or the most perfect um, as so far as a band, I'd say we, we played a gig at Fenders in April and I thought we just murdered, you know, it's like one of those where you just, I mean, it already sounds that venue just sounds good. They have good equipment. Like, um, we had a nice sound check and then you get up there and we just killed it and you can just tell like the crowd's really into it and you, you know, great energy, great lighting. Um, it, you know, and you just leave feeling like, oh man, I just, I just crashed, you know? And that doesn't happen every time, you know, a lot of times, uh, like, you know, you'll have little things can bother me and I just don't, you know, enjoy it as much, you know, if I can't hear something or start focusing on that and cause I'm so one track minded, I can't like just let it go, you know? And like, uh, so yeah, anytime like we sound good on stage, like I'm having fun, you know, um, jumping around having a good time. So. Right, right. And I always say you have to have the good with the bad. So without mentioning names now, and you can use any gig from your entire career, is there one that maybe you consider the worst experience and how did you deal with it? Um, hmm, the worst. I don't know if I can say what the worst is. Definitely had some bad ones. I mean, we had one recently where we broke all our stuff down, got over to the venue and they were like, yeah, the show's canceled. And we're like, what do you mean? Oh man. And they didn't tell us that like the headliner had canceled. So they oh. just canceled the whole night and we had already packed all of our stuff up, already drove down there. And we're like, yeah, that's not cool, man. Like, um, we, you know, rehearsed our butts for that gig just on there and not and have it not happen. So, but we ended up like, we reverted and just went over to an open mic and showed up and they let us play our whole set this open mic and it oh. was all these people never heard us so it was like we're, we're still tonight i don't care we're gonna we're gonna go play so that but um yeah i mean uh, that's the kind of stuff i i just don't like about the small gigs like bad things like that can happen hmm. ruin your night and i'm like yeah like that but yeah yeah <laughs> i don't blame you i don't blame you and you know when it comes to show time then do you have a pre-show and post-show ritual? You know, how do you psych yourself up and get in the zone? Um, I I definitely still have nerves, especially if I know there's going to be a lot of people there. Um, and um, I I can't drink. I don't think any of us drink. Maybe Tom can drink, but none of us have a beer before we play. It just can't. Um, you know, it's for me. I just I don't know. It just like me off so bad. Um, so like, there's no drinking involved. We might have like a celebratory beer after or something, but. Um, and I'm really, um, 
with my voice, like I'll, I'll do a certain amount of warmups in the morning and then uh, do some warmups before we go on. So I have like these little rituals that I do like 15 rituals for, for that. Um, you know, the, with the voice, it's so weird. Like a guitar where, you know, you pretty much, you're going to have, you tune it up. And if you, if it does, you got another one right behind you, you know, voice, it's like, there's good days and bad days. Some days where I'm like, I, I know this is going to suck. You know, like I'm going to go up there and I'm sound like a frog and I, I and there's only so much you can do about it. So, um, you know, you just have those days, I, even humidity is affected a lot. Like if we have really high humidity, I, it's like open and I feel better and sound. But if we have a gig in January and it's really dry here, it's tough. You know, um, I've also had gigs where I was so sick and then I get, you know, if I don't better within like 24 hours, going to have to cancel this, like, you know, you know, um, and I've, but you know how it is with your voice, like you feel better when you get sick, but then your voice actually get better for like a couple of days. You know? It's like the last thing to get better. So for a singer, you go up there, you're like, you just have to like, just keep warming up, trying to get through it. And so it's a little rough and you're like, it is what it is, you know, do it your best. But, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, with your career then, how do you keep yourself motivated and inspired? I, I'm a very self-debated person. I, I always have been like, uh, I, you know, I'm an early bird I early and, and, uh, do my stuff and, um, very organized. So, um, it's easy for me to stay on task standpoint. And that's, I think that's why we get so much done, you know, uh, why I'm able to really our album every year. Uh, why, you know, why we, you know, we, we spend so much time on marketing and all this stuff, but uh, we handle it like, uh, but yeah, staying inspired. That's trickier. Um, there's times where you're just not, and that's okay. You just have to, like, you're not going to be constantly inspired. There's nothing wrong with playing video games tonight instead, you know, or uh, read a book or do something else. Um, and you don't have to musician 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, you have to take break and the inspiration will come. And I think the best is to just meditate and listen, especially when writing lyrics and things like that, like stop trying to tell the paper what to say, like just open your heart, fine, really just listen and you'll pull these songs out of the sky. You just will, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that, that outlook. Actually, it's a good one. And, you know, I'm sure it rarely happens now, but how do you handle criticism or negative feedback? I, I don't crumble. Um, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> don't say anything mean. Ever. <laughs> Can't handle it. I'm very fragile. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't care. I mean, all I re- I'm too old to care what people, you know, like, people are like, we're we're just making art like what are you so mad about like mm. you know, if I, if somebody doesn't like the song okay well there's three gazillion other songs you can check out like you don't have to like it i don't care like i you know um i do this for me i think all the all of our band they just do it for themselves it's it's uh it's their relief their time you know their their creative um so i would do it no matter what i wouldn't do it if no one listened i would do it with if a lot of people listened it doesn't hurt um, I don't think, uh, it's like, it's my bowling league, you know, I don't expect people to come and watch bowl, but like, I still care about it. And I'm every week, you know, like, it's kind of like that for me. So, 
Right, right. And you know, your fans then, how do you focus on building a fan base? Like I know years ago you would have been putting flyers up and, you know, getting people to come to your show or passing out, you know, mixtapes, stuff like that. How do you approach it nowadays? I think it really just comes down to um, interacting each and every one of them. It's like um, if somebody something on um, one of our media, we, we talk to them, reach out to them. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't, it, uh, doesn't have to be like a big, big group you're reaching out to all the time. And sometimes it's just one person and then that person tells another person. So you really do have to pay attention to each and every fan. Um, especially at the age where you're just building a fan base, you know? So, um, yeah, I'll sit there and message people back and forth and, and if they like the music, I'm honored, you know, it's great. Like, you know, you could have listened to anything and you're listening to me. So I couldn't be more thankful for that, you know? Um, but yeah, one at a time. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you know, how would you guys like to evolve as a band? What will the band look like in say five years time? It's so funny because I, I don't think any other band actually thinks about these things, but we actually do <laughs> because I'm a business. I was a business owner. Like, um, I sent out like an, like a newsletter to the band guys <laughs> and it actually has a five year plan. uh, and like we outlooks and we track our progress and uh, streams and that. Um, and we set goals. So we're very goal oriented, you know. Um, we have some, uh, we'd like some larger shows. We'd like to increase fan reach. But I mean, we have like short man long term goals for the band for sure. Um, and we're, when we talk about it, and it's very much a democracy, um, you know, and uh, it's like, hey, we need an album designed for the, like, does anybody have any ideas? And, um, and then we, we have a con text message thread that goes on and on. It's full of memes and goofy stuff too. Um, you know, it keeps us on point keeps us organized. So. Right. Right. And I have to ask, how do the guys feel about that now? It seems very kind of corporate almost in a way of running the <laughs> band. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think they appreciate being organized, you know, um, and, uh, like, um, Adam works for JP Morgan, so he's the smarter than all of us. Um, uh, a bass player, Jeff is a geologist and he works on, um, quakes and patterns and like that. Um, you know, so like everybody already has corporate like they're already kind of like, they're the two schedules and an organism, you know, I think if we were 20 years old, we probably really opposed all that, but you're in your 40s and you have children and you have schedule and soccer practice to get to like everybody needs to be on the same page it almost needs to run like like you know business um just respect everybody's time so i think it's been been good for this group you know to do that yeah it's interesting anyway i'm uh i'm intrigued to see if i if i come across any other bands that actually do it that way <laughs> and you know future plans that are set in stone then is there anything you can share with us or anything coming down the line um like i said we have an album coming out in december um after that we're just planning on releasing singles the next year we have some really fun ideas to do um we have the hopping cover show coming up in october um those are the short-term things um uh, you know long term we've talked about getting on some regional tours um we've linked up with pavement entertainment who have like a uh, puddle of mud and uh, a couple other dishwalla, a couple other big bands, uh, Handlebox, um, and we're trying to get on their label as a regular 
um, but right now they're promoting a ditch and um, they're probably promote the next five or six of our songs um, and, uh, and see how that goes. We have, uh, we made a music video. We dug a ditch, which we're really proud of. That was really fun. Um, and we have another video scheduled for November to, for a song called black and blue that's coming out. Um, so excited. About that. But yeah, we just want to increase our, increase our, you know, our face, uh, get our Spotify numbers and see if we can jump on some regional tours. So that's pretty much it. Brilliant. Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. So these are a couple of odd, fun music questions, but I'm intrigued to see your answers. So if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Hmm. Any history. In all of history. <laughs> yeah. Even as far back as Beethoven. <laughs> Yeah, I I guess uh I guess you gotta sit through some Mozart or something. I mean, like <laughs> if you're going that that far back, it's like it's like uh you know, I my favorite band is Shell and it's odd like it's not really our style necessarily, but I love Chevelle so much and I've seen him with some concert. Um and uh it's just a high energy, you know, hardcore rock show. Um uh, but um but it's like, well, I mean, there's no no comparison. Like Mozart is like historically famous, like a president is, <laughs> you know. So it's like, how do you not back then check that out, right? And like, True. that was about. Um, yeah, just to experience it once, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's a, there's some that I, you know, wish I would have seen. Like Elliot Smith was a huge inspiration uh, for me, and I was in college when he died. I never got to see him live and you know, you got those kind of things like, man, it's, if you could go back, it'd be great to see someone that you literally can't that inspired you younger, you know, as a younger person. But, um, there's a couple of those. I mean, how cool would it be to go back and just, you know, one more time or, you know, like, like that would have been, would have been really special. So yeah, I don't know. Right. Right. The next one is a bit harder. If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician or performer from history, who would it be? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I can't get past the idea of being locked somewhere 24 hours. Like it's, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be with anyone for 24 hours locked in. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of claustrophobia and I, I don't think I can mentally get past that. So I don't know. Okay. okay. And the, the final one. So what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Ooh, man, you got to start emailing these questions before me three <laughs> days to think about that question. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's a really good question. Oh man, um, my needle in the hay, Elliot Smith. Okay, okay. What is it about that that speaks to you? Um, it's I don't know. It's just so timely and so sad. Um, and if I if I think about you know my life and um, yeah, it fits. Like if a movie producer producing my producing my life story, I've got to have needle in the hay in there. 
Yeah, right. Has to be that one. So listen, Bradley, it's been an absolute pleasure now. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks a million. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. 
And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.